Welcome back to Laundry Room Talk, Episode 4. This podcast is the behind-the-scenes life of college basketball through the eyes of a student manager, hosted by your own Corbin King and Peyton Mattingly. We are really excited to have Sebastian Sanyan on our podcast today. He is the head manager at Florida State. He is a senior. Uh, he's going to talk about his um, experience and as a manager at Florida State and the ACC, uh, how he got there, and even a little bit about how he was able to work in the NBA Summer League. When Sebastian, real excited to have you on the podcast. How you doing, man? Doing well, and you? Doing well, doing well. So uh, tell us a little bit about tell us about yourself. Um, uh, born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I lived there for a few years, um, and then I moved to Haiti. I lived in Haiti for a few years um, as well. But for the most part, I was raised in South Florida, um, specifically Broward County, Florida. I don't know if you guys have heard of, of the place, but um, it's near Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. And so that's where I was raised for the most part up until I moved to Tallahassee, Florida to attend Florida State University. Okay, very cool. So you are a senior manager, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So tell us about how you kind of got into being a manager and uh, what, what, what you're looking to get out of it. Oh, man. Um, it's it's kind of a, a long uh, journey or a long process that led up to, you know, my, my decision to become a manager or even work in basketball. Um, I came into Florida State as a political science major, um, thinking that I wanted to get in politics, um, you know, go to law school and, you know, get into, um, you know, policy and things of that nature. And um, I had a really, I had a, a pretty good passion for it. Um, and uh, a year into my schooling at Florida State, I got an internship with uh, Mayor back home. And it, it was it was a good internship, but I, I realized a lot of things about the uh, the um, that field that I didn't really like too much, um, and that didn't really attract me too much. And so um, I came back to Florida State, and a friend of mine who was working for our uh, men's basketball program here, he had uh, invited me to a practice, and I had already known a few of our players. That, were, that was playing at Florida State. We came into Florida State together. We grew up playing basketball together. They were just playing at Florida State, and I was just a, um, a student. And um, so I was always around uh, our basketball program, and I was always around basketball growing up. And when I found out about the opportunity of, you know, being a manager, being able to work in college basketball, and then even pursuing a career in it, I immediately jumped on the opportunity. Growing up as a basketball player, you never really look at the sport from, you only look at the sport from a player's point of view. Um, and if you know, if you know more than the average person, you may know a little bit what goes on in the front office, but you never really think too much about what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and the idea of, you know, being a scout or being a, a coach or being, you, you, you're not really educated on to like, as to like what that process looks like. And the little knowledge that I did know about it was that, okay, well, the people who did work in the NBA or the people who did um, work in college basketball were people who played at the college level at the very least. And so it wasn't a thing that I even thought about really. And when I found out that that wasn't necessarily the case that you could pursue a career in college basketball, that you could pursue a career in the NBA without necessarily having to play at that level. You know, 
I immediately jumped on the opportunity, this idea of being a manager, working your way up, and then finding out what it is that you want to do specifically in basketball. And so um, when the opportunity was presented to me, um, I added sport management as my major. I kept political science as my major as well and added sport management as my secondary major. And the rest is history, honestly. So what's some of your day-to-day duties? Day-to-day duties. Um, so I specialize in film. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first, when I first cracked into um, the industry, when I first got my foot in the door, um, I was told that the best way that I would really be able to separate myself from other people who wanted to work in the industry, especially wanted to get into coaching, was by really learning all things video. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. As soon as I became a manager, I made it a priority to intentionally throw myself at our video coordinator and just learn all things video and learn as much as I can from him and um, just try to earn their trust and gain more responsibility. So um, as far as my day to day operations outside of my managerial duties, it's a lot of video. It's a lot of film. It's a lot of breakdown. It's a lot of fast draw going back, watching plays, drawing them up for the coaches, putting it on the fast draw platform. It's a lot of analytics. It's a lot of, you know, keeping stats um, and things of that nature. Yeah. So we're a small mid-major school. How many managers do y'all have on staff? So this year we have between, we have between 12 to 15 managers. And that's pretty normal. Yeah. Last year, we had um, on the lower end eight to ten, and that was because of COVID. Right. So we minimized the amount of people that we were um, going to grant access to our facility, mm-hmm. and so um, that was that was a little bit different. But the year before that, we had fifteen to twenty. Wow. Um, and so a rotation of managers. We had our key three to four managers that were really pivotal to our program and all specialized in different facets and added value to our program. But we had the other like 12, you know, the 15 managers that we kind of rotated in and out and made sure they got to work practices, they got to work games. Um, but they, they really stuck to kind of like the managerial duties, one, because they were either new or two, they didn't really know what it is that they want to do specifically yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So how many um, of those guys would you say want to move on into a, a basketball career or coaching career? Um, I would say but I, currently, if I were to look at our roster of managers, I would say about four to five okay. out of the 15 mm-hmm. specifically want to work uh, for a college basketball program or at the NBA level um, in any facet. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the other managers, um, the rest of the eight to 10 managers, I would say um, would like to work in basketball, but wouldn't mind working in other sports, kind of just want to work in the sport industry in general. Um, And so this is kind of a way for them to add something to their resume and, you know, get their foot in the water and kind of like, you know, see what it is that they like in the sports industry, um, but nothing specific, if that so, makes sense. So uh, since there's that many managers on y'all staff, how do they decide like who's going to travel and stuff like that? Um, it would have, it's a combination of a few factors. It's seniority, 
okay. is a big thing with us. Um, it's workload. So as far as like, how, how do you add value to our program? If you're just a manager who comes to our practice, you know, when you're scheduled to, and you, you help out with rebounding and, you know, you help out with wiping sweat on the floor and you kind of stick to the standard requirements of being a manager, chances are you won't be asked to do the higher end of things like game preparation and travel obligations. Um, and so if you're one of those managers who is one, either doing, you know, helping out on the film end of things or helping out on the operations end of things and you've kind of work your way under our director of recruiting or our dobo and you handle tasks specifically under them or you are under our coaches and you help out with scouting reports um chances are those are probably some of our head managers and you know those are responsibilities tend to go to to us yeah. if that makes sense so you talk about adding value and i think that's a, a big thing uh, for especially for an incoming manager but really anyone who's just getting started at a new business or, or a new program like that so for yeah. you specifically coming in i know you talked about um kind of getting on the video coordinator and learning from him what other things did you look to do so you could add value right away and become one of those top four or five guys earlier than maybe expected um so so how i how I managed to work my way into becoming one of our head managers now is immediately right away. I was very intentional about trying to gain the trust of our coaching staff and support staff and mm -hmm. making sure that I wasn't just the typical standard manager. Mm -hmm. um, our coaching staff does a really, really good job of not requiring too much from our managers. One, because we just have so much right. yeah. managers and two, being a high major division one staff, we have staff members to essentially tackle a lot of our program's responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And so, in other words, if if you aren't a manager who is willing to go out of your way to ask our coaches, hey, what can I help you with? Or when are you watching film? Can I stay back and um, you know help you with whatever it is that you need? And you aren't actively trying to intentionally gain that trust and show that you are very interested in you know working in basketball then chances are it's very possible that you end up being a manager for two three four years and have absolutely nothing to show for it practically in terms of developing a skill set um and so and so you you really have to go out of your way um you really have to go out of your way and let our staff know that you are you are serious about about this and let them know that you are somebody that can be trusted and as time passes by and you've kind of you know remained with it and you've remained consistent um you know you actually get to earn more responsibility and you move up the ranks as far as you know graduate assistants and managers go mm -hmm. so tell us what it's like kind of working for a coach in Leonard Hamilton that has so much national recognition, you know, you only, a lot of times you only see wins and losses. What, what's he like? Um, what's he been like to you? Um, coach Ham is a, a, a special character, especially because I like to think of coach Ham when it comes to not just African-American coaches, 
in college basketball, but when I think of coaches in general, I like to think of Coach Hamilton as a forerunner or a juggernaut or a pioneer in mm. uh, the basketball industry. And so with between how good he's become of a coach and how long he's managed to be at the top in this industry, there's a lot of learning lessons to take away from him. Mm. Um, he's always dropping knowledge and just the way that he does things, it's it's far it's very different from how other college basketball coaches do it. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've learned, um, and just as an African American myself, man, just getting to watch him operate is an inspiration. Um, and so, getting to see how he intentionally goes out of his way to um, create a lane for guys like me um, is something that. You know, I really, really appreciate him for, and he actively does it, you know, between pouring into our GAs, our managers, our coaching staff, and making sure they're well equipped to, you know, take on the responsibilities that they eventually want to take on. And um, on the other end, too, even in, uh, on the woman's side, Coach Sue, Coach Sue is, she does a really, really good job at what she does. Um, Semrao Sue has been uh, the head coach at Florida State for, probably almost as long as I've been alive. And she's one of the top coaches to ever do it. Her charisma um, is unmatched. And so getting getting to being at a program to where you get to, on the woman's side and the men's side, get to watch best coaches in action in their respective lane is definitely like, an, is unmatched. I don't think you can find it at too many other college basketball programs. So what was some of your expectations when you got hired on as manager? Um, my expectations, it's quite funny because my expectations were I was going to be able to go in there and then right away I was going to be able to uh, kind of be hands-on with, you know, everything basketball-related. And, um, and I remember the first lesson that I learned was – you got to wait your turn, and it's not what you know, it's who you know. Coach Jones sat me down in his office my first day in our basketball facility, who's our associate head coach on the men's side, and he sat me down, and, and he was like, he can, he can tell that I was very eager and very passionate about the game of basketball because, you know, even though I wasn't playing it anymore, I, I had an eye to – pay attention to the details of the game as far as X's and O's go. And I, I like to think that I knew what it is that I was talking about far more than the average basketball enthusiast. And so he can tell that I was very eager and very passionate about it. And I was kind of so excited to just right away get involved in, you know, the practicalities of developing a Division One basketball program, not knowing that, hey, look, you're just a manager. Like, you got to work your way up there. You got to pay your dues. And so um, what it ended up turning out to be was uh, a little bit more humbling experience. And it has to be. You don't want anything given to you too fast. You want to be behind the scenes for a while and make sure that when your opportunity does come, you're well equipped to stay there. And the only way, the only way that can happen is if, again, like you're behind closed doors and, you know, you're doing things behind the scenes and you're getting rid and you're you're in a position to where you are able to watch some of the best guys or the best women do what it is that they do 
and learn from them whenever it is that they have the time to teach you or learn from a distance as well. Um, and so if that answers your question as far as expectations. Oh, that's really good stuff. That's, that's really good. So, um, tell us a little bit about what, what's been the, what's been the worst part. I say, I say worst part, most tedious part about being a manager. You know, the, oh, there, there's plenty to choose from. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the tedious. Okay. And I don't know what it is for you guys, but again, we have 15 managers. Yeah. Yeah. And so there can, there are, there's only so many managerial tasks right. for you to tackle. Mm-hmm. And so there, the, the, for me, the tediousness comes in having a lot of managers to handle issues or tasks that only take three to four people to do it, mm-hmm. you know, not eight, nine yeah. or 10. Um, and so for me, just the way that I'm wired and, you know, the way that I operate, um, that, that tends to be a tension for me a little bit um, just because, you know, we have all of these people and something that can easily take you three, four, five minutes to do like, you know, a simple task ends up taking you much longer because you have a lot of these hands that essentially want to get involved and rightfully so, you, you know, you want people, you have people who are eager to, to show that they're carrying their weight. But for me, I would say that that's an aspect of, of tediousness is just, you know, have essentially having more help than needed. Um, because what tends to happen is you get stuck kind of like looking around, especially when you're new here and you haven't really figured out your way around uh, the facility or the program itself, you get stuck kind of just, well, I don't know what to do, um, or there's nothing left for us to do. Um, And so I would say that, um, and just some of the tediousness too, uh, I would say is when you first become a manager, there is a, a sense of being micromanaged mm-hmm. that I see happen a lot, especially with, um, again, a lot of our new managers. Yeah. And so that's kind of like the first phase of things that you really, really have to work through. Um, and so for me at first, that was like a, a huge thing for me is like, I know I, I know how to do these things. I know what I'm doing. Um, and so that, that, that can be a, a difficult thing at a time sometimes, but, what you ultimately have to understand is that, man, like everybody's on the same team. Everybody wants to see you when they just want to make sure that you're doing it the right way. And everybody wants to just contribute to this program being a winning, a winning program. And so um, when you approach it from that mindset, um, it, it makes it a lot easier. But I would say just some of that tediousness in terms of like some of the tasks itself are tedious. Like, dang, like why do I have to do this? Yep. But details really do matter, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to developing culture. Um, and so that was also another big learning lesson for me as well. Yeah. All right. So going back to before you got on at Florida State, what is their hiring process for managers? Um. Uh, so. On the men's side, I know that it's you work camp. It's a combination of you work summer camp and you have a relationship with someone on staff in some way, shape or form, whether it's directly or through a mutual um, connection. Um, Those are two big important factors when it comes to being hired um, with our men's basketball program here. When it comes to the women's basketball program, um, 
there's an interview process and then you get a tryout where you come and you're asked to work a few practices just to see if you have an idea of one, how to interact with the coaches, how to interact with the players, um, how uh, the level of attention to detail that you have. Do you have a basic understanding of basketball, how to rebound, how to um, pass? Um, do you get to things quickly? Um, and ultimately, are you someone that can be trusted? Are you someone that's reliable? Um, and so that's kind of what it looks like on that side. So somewhat similar, but also somewhat different. Yeah. So being, uh, you know, being part of a big group of managers, I know there's definitely some drawbacks with it, definitely some perks. I mean, we have five guys here, so it's, you know, rebounding after practice and, yeah. and warm ups. I mean, it's, we're ch constantly Especially chasing on balls road. on the road. We only take two or three on the road. Um, so th those are definitely times we wish we had, you know, 12, 15. Um, but being at a, being at a big time school, you know, like Florida state in the ACC, um, you know, obviously we, we came and played you guys this year. Um, what's it been like been part of big college basketball? Having I mean, having some pretty yeah. big games even this year. And I know last year I had some COVID, um, but what, what, what's been some of the cool things you've gotten to see just from a college basketball fan perspective? Man, the whole thing is an adrenaline rush. <laughs> it's exactly what I that, – that, that is one of the few things that what I expected was actually what I received. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it further confirmed my desire to want to work in basketball. From the process of watching film – watching the coaches and even being able to contribute to the coaches development of a scouting report and then the presentation of the scouting report and then practice in terms of how to execute that scouting report against specific personnel and then game day and then get to see people walk in settle in their seats to the point where the arena gets filled mm -hmm. and music starts blasting and you're ready you're pumped and if you have coaches like we do where you know charlton young cy um, charismatic individual where he does a really good job of kind of getting everybody within the program locked in into a, a certain mode. The whole thing is an adrenaline rush. Um, and then from tip off, man, um, our, our, our university and our, our fan base does a really good job of, of packing our stadium out and contributing to um, what is a, a, a difficult process in beating us at home. So, the whole thing, man, is, is an adrenaline rush, yeah. I would say. That, that's one of the big things about working with a, 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 a big program. Yeah. Being in the ACC, you're playing at big-time games. What's been your favorite experience? <sighs> My favorite experience as far as, like, specific games? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I would say – Two years ago, Florida State versus Louisville, the year we had Trent Forrest, Devin Vassell, mm -hmm. MJ Walker, Raekwon Gray, uh, Dominic, Malik Osborne, Patrick Williams versus uh, Jordan Norris, Louisville team. Yeah. That, I think, was probably the best basketball game I've ever seen mm. in my entire life. Um, and people who have been at Florida State much longer than me will say that that was the best basketball game that's ever been played in that 
arena mm-hmm. yeah. since they've been there. Um, and so I would say that I would say the two times that we played do recently um, this year yeah. um, with Paolo Banchero um, and uh, in Coach K's farewell tour and um, two years ago where they had R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish, although we lost to a devastated, devastating buzzer beater to Cam. Um, I would say those three have been definitely my top my top three experiences. Um, definitely. Yeah. All right. So what's some of the crazy manager stories you might have experienced so far? Um, I would say... I'm going to give you one on for women's basketball and one for men's basketball. Women's basketball, two years ago, this was the last game played before the whole COVID shutdown. Mm. Um, ACC tournament championship game against Louisville. Our star player, Kaya Gillespie, um, she comes out early, like she usually does, to shoot around before any away team player comes on the court and before any of our players even get to the gym. She's already dressed, she comes out on the floor and she grabs a ball off the ball rack and she feels the ball for a look, she feels the ball a little bit and she looks at me. Yeah, today's gonna be a great shooting day. (laughs) Just by like, just, just by like how the ball felt in her hands from when she picked it off the ball rack. She was just like, I don't know, but it just feels good in my hand right now. This was before she even took a dribble, before she took a shot. Anyways, game gets ready to happen, and she just goes berserk that entire game, pick and pop, everything, back to the basket, you know, in between, in between games, stopping on a dime, playing off two feet. It literally just felt like she had a ridiculous touch that game. It was crazy. And so getting to witness that firsthand and and like understanding the interaction that I had with her prior to the game and how that tied into like her performance. And she she was a heck of a basketball player in general. On the men's side, also two years ago, Patrick Williams, who ended up getting drafted to the Chicago Bulls first round fourth pick in uh, 2020, he this is his first few weeks on campus. Um, and me, him, Trent, and one of the men's GAs were sitting down in the uh, um, lobby of uh, the complex that we live in. And we remember we're talking about how excited we are for the season. And Pat, Pat, and he's such a humble dude. He goes, man, I'm excited, but I just don't think I'm going to play a lot. and i remember i remember like looking up and i was just like what did you just say like everybody's everybody's like confused like nah like you know when people like try to be humble yeah yeah, like you know but like they're kind of just joking you know and so we thought like okay yeah we get it like you you don't think you're gonna play yeah 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 whatever but time like like a few minutes passed by and like we're, we dive deeper into it, and you begin to realize, oh, he actually thinks he isn't gonna play. 
Like, <laughs> he, like he, he, he broke it down. He was like, like, there's no room for me. He was like, we have MJ, we have Trent, we have Raekwon Gray, we have Anthony Polite, um, Raekwon Evans, uh, we have uh, MJ, like all of these players, all these players that were essentially older than him. And he was just like, well, I'm, I'm probably going to play like 12 to 15 minutes per game. And me and Trent look at him like, oh, you're serious. You really don't think you're going to play that much. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And me and Trent look at each other. And we're like, this guy doesn't get it. But he'll figure it out soon. Anyways, the rest is history. We were like, Pat, I don't think you understand the politics. <laughs> you are a five-star basketball player. Your physique is unmatched. Coach Ham is going to definitely find a way to get you out there on that floor. <laughs> and you are probably going to be a one and done. And he was like, a one and done? All right, now you're, now you're, now you're just like saying ridiculous stuff. And me and Trent look at each other again like, all right, like we're pretty smart guys. I think we know what we're talking about. Anyways, you guys know, season goes, um, season starts. At first, Pat has a rough start, you know, freshman and all. And, as the year goes on, he gets comfortable, and the rest is history. You know, ends up being a first-round, fourth pick to the Chicago Bulls, and then a couple years later, we're out in Las Vegas for the summer league. I was out there um, from Salt Lake City. I was with the Jazz, and then went to Las Vegas for the Las Vegas summer league. And I remember we were at the dinner table, and me and Trent look at him like, "Remember when you looked at us, like in August before the season started, when we just got back to campus?" You said you thought you weren't going to play. Yeah. <laughs> well, look how that turned out. <laughs> and we just laughed about it. We joked around with him for a little bit. So you said you're at the Summer League. Uh, talk more about that, how you, how you were able to get that opportunity and uh, kind of what you did there. Okay, so um, honestly, it wasn't even in the cards for me um, at all. Um, Trent obviously plays for the Utah Jazz. Um, he had called me um, around – May, he, we'd FaceTime him on the phone, and he was like, hey, man, like you got to find a way to get here, man. Like, um, There's a lot of a lot of guys out here that I would love for you to meet, but in general, like, it's just a, a relaxing, you know, it's a relaxing place. Uh, you know, if you can find a way to get out here to Salt Lake City for a few days, man, like, I, I definitely host you, whatever, just let me know. And I was just like, you know, people say that all the time, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, for sure, like, you know, we'll figure it out sometime soon or whatever. And uh, I remember a month passes by. This is like July. And he calls me back. And so he was just like, so you going to come? And I was just like, what you mean? He was just like, to Utah, you going to come? He was just like, I mean, sure. Like, what's the plan? And he was just like, we're having a, a Salt Lake City Summer League before the Las Vegas Summer League. Um, the Spurs... We're going to have two teams uh, within the Jazz organization, and the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be out there as well. I would love for you to come. Da, 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 da. Like, there's some people that I've already talked to, talked to them about you, um, and I would love for you to come down here and meet them um, if you can. And I was just like, for sure. And so in the next few days, we kind of like figured it out, um, bought plane tickets, made my way to Salt Lake City for the Summer League, um, and I got the chance to meet a lot of uh, the coaches there, a lot of the uh, execs there um, got to network, um, people that I still keep in touch with today. Um, and from there, I decided, hey, what the heck, 
I just might as well head to the Las Vegas Summer League. And so went to the Las Vegas Summer League as well. Right after that, Salt Lake City Summer League was up. We all went to Las Vegas. They were getting ready to play, obviously. And from there, I got to meet a lot more people. Um, I got to double back and meet more people from the Jazz organization, people that I had already previously known, um, but never got the chance to meet face-to-face. And it was a good experience. Um, if it weren't for for that trip, I honestly probably would have never known that I wanted to work in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a senior. This is my last semester, and it's a front that I'm really tackling hard. Um, if God willing, I can I can get an opportunity there um, after I graduate. And the the crazy thing is, man, and it's funny how God works with that. Is if I do end up getting an NBA opportunity, I'll be able to trace it back to that trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine it happening any other way, you know, so um, I'm happy that I got the chance to do that. Um, I learned a lot about what the day to day life is like at the NBA level, what that lifestyle entails. Um, and I just really believe that like my personality and what I honestly believe to the core, what I'm wired to be and what I'm wired to do would just fit so well within um, uh, an NBA organization in terms of this whole idea that we were talking about in the beginning of adding value. Um, and it's not to say that I, I don't want to work in college basketball. I do want to work in college basketball. Um, and I would love an opportunity to work in college basketball coach at the college level. But um, like I said, if I, if I were to get an NBA opportunity, man, I, I would definitely capitalize on it. Something that I'm definitely tackling hard. And if God willing, I were blessed with that opportunity, I can trace it back to that time. I almost did not go to the summer league. Yeah. Well, that's really cool to hear. Well, Sebastian, it's been awesome having you on here. I mean, that really interesting listening to you, hearing uh, your experiences and stories and all that. Um, oh, man, I, I think I say we we'll probably sit here and talk to you for a few more hours, yeah. but we do have to wrap up our podcast. So, any any last things you want to say to um, any managers listening, or college basketball fans, or anybody who's just listening to this podcast for fun? Oh man, I, one of the biggest things that I've learned is there's going to be a lot of people that tell you that there's a certain way that you need to do things, mm-hmm. um, and it isn't true. None of it is. Whoever tells you that this is how you have to do it in order to get this result or in order to get to where you want to be, um, chances are it isn't true. Um, a lot of it is geared to, again, like, who are you? What are you good at? Um, you know, what are your skill sets? Um, and, it, and it goes down to even the nitty gritty details of are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Like, all of it is extremely fluid. Like, there is no blueprint to this. Um, and there were a lot of approaches that I took in my journey of being a manager and wanting to work at the basketball level that a lot of people probably wouldn't understand. And now that I look back at it, if I didn't take, if I didn't have the approach that I did, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Um, and there'll be people, if I were to list them out, like just some of the approaches that I took, so there'll be people that say, oh, that probably wasn't a good idea or you probably shouldn't have done that. But the reality is, man, like people can tell you you know what people can give you advice and tell you what is a good way to go about something um and but my advice to you is to get advice from as many people as possible and what you want begin to realize is that there is truly no blueprint to this because you'll get a whole bunch of different answers yeah, yeah. but 
you'll also get, put yourself in a position to where you are able to nitpick what sounds good to you, what you're able to do, what approach works for you, right? And take a little bit from this person, take a little bit from that person and make it this one big thing and make it your approach, make it your system of networking, make it your system of how you add value to a college basketball program or at the NBA level, make it your system on how you reach out to people or how you approach jobs um, and what it is that you want to do in basketball in general or sports in general, I feel like this works for life. Yeah. yeah. Period. Whether or what field you um, find yourself in, and so I would say that's the biggest advice, man. And then also too, man, just stay down, be persistent, be resilient. If you know what you want to do, there's going to be times where that's extremely doubtful. Where uh, maybe it isn't for you just because of the obstacles that present themselves, but stick with it, man. And you find out that if you stick with it long enough, that things begin to unfold, man. Seeds that you planted months, years ago that you thought weren't at work, you'll begin to realize, oh, dang, that actually did something. That actually meant something. Um, and then another thing, man, I got to go with this or else, you know, this podcast would have been non-existent. But the cliche, it sounds cliche, but um, it is real, man. Network. Yeah, it is. Yep. It goes back to the first thing that I learned when I when I found out I wanted to work in college basketball. I was a 18 year old kid, and Coach Jones called me into his office and he said, "Hey, it's not what you know. You can have all the knowledge about X's and O's you want, man, but it's about who you know and it's about who knows you. Yeah. Um, and it's about your connection. It's about your relationships. It's about who's willing to make a phone call for you. And that also ties back to how you treat people. Um, people will forget everything." are capable of forgetting everything about an individual. One thing that they will not forget is the feeling that you made them feel mm -hmm. when they interacted with you. Absolutely. So take that and run with it. Absolutely. Well, Sebastian, thank you very much, man. Good luck to you guys the rest of your season, and good luck to you as you go along thank with your you career after this year.